It's that time of year again where we go out and go hiking. We take our best friends, our dogs, our family, never to expect something tragic to occur. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today, I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true hiking horror stories. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. Now, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true hiking horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. It was back in the 1980s. At the time, I was in my late 20s and I would often grab my collie, Lacey, and drive my Mustang convertible to the park not too far from our home to go hiking. Although I was a single female, I always felt safe hiking in that park. It was like my second backyard. It was a hot Sunday morning in July. There was a slight breeze and a beautiful blue sky. It was exceedingly early, around 8.30 a.m., and the park was deserted when we pulled into the parking area. The parking lot was near the picnic area and restrooms, and it would get crowded later in the day when the families arrived for their picnics, and the fishermen would make their way out to the lake to try their luck at catching the elusive big one. The park covers 1,900 acres of land and has miles of wooded dirt trails that intersect with each other. There are a few main trails that pass by a lake and meander along a lazy river, and lead to three hidden, breathtaking waterfalls. It is heavily forested, and in the summer, when the leaves are all on board, the trail's visibility is limited to the paths. I loved that park. I hiked it often, and knew the trails like the back of my hand, and enjoyed having it all to myself. I intentionally chose times when I knew it would be less crowded. The parking lot that I was in is across the little road from the head of one of my favorite trails. As I called Lucy out of the car and snapped her on her leash, another car pulled into the lot. He parked rather close to me, and I found it rather annoying and a bit strange. I go there for solitude and peace. There was plenty of other parking and no need to crowd me. The trail Lacey and I wanted to hike was across the road and I headed that way. We started up the hill and onto the heavily wooded hiking trails. For some reason, I was feeling a sense of dread and glanced at the man as he was getting out of his car. I am somewhat suspicious when hiking alone and immediately found him to be a bit weird. Something about him was setting off alarm bells in my head. He appeared to be in his 40s and was by himself, which is not unusual, I guess. A lot of people hiked by themselves. It was his attire and demeanor that caught my attention. He was dressed like no other hiker I have ever seen. He had on dress pants and shiny black shoes like the ones my dad always wears when going to church. The clothes and shoes were a bit shabby, but still not something one wears when hiking. None of the trails in this park were paved. They were all dirt and often muddy since they crossed meandering streams, but it was his expression that stuck with me the most. He was staring intently at Lucy and me, with no expression on his face, and it was making me extremely uncomfortable. I thought to myself, who does that? And who wears dress shoes hiking? I began to feel more and more uneasy. There was just something creepy about him. Most people who hike the trails keep to themselves. Sometimes will utter a brief, hi, how you doing? Or a wave. This man stared intently at Lucy and me with no expression in his blank eyes. I knew somewhere deep inside of me that it would be best just to avoid him altogether. It was a little voice in my head that I had to listen to. I considered giving up hiking altogether that day, but I had been looking forward to it and Lacey was raring to go. And maybe I was just being paranoid. So I turned back around and began walking up the main hiking trail. I decided to verge off one of the many little paths that branched off the main trail. I chose this trail as it was not marked with any signage and did not go towards the falls of the river, but winded through the dense, heavily forested wood. It was not a popular trail at all, 
and I figured I could avoid the man as he would probably choose one of the more popular marked trails that most hikers do. As Lacey and I walked along, I glanced around to see if I could still see him. To my dread, I realized that he had also chosen the trail that we were walking. I looked around to see if there were any other hikers out, but it was just him, myself, and Lacey. I was not concerned to the point of panic, but still somewhat freaked out. I decided it was best to continue to steer clear of him, and as soon as I was able, I took off across a different trail to avoid him. The trail I chose headed off in an entirely different direction from the way he was headed. I kept walking at a fast pace, trying to put as much distance between me and him as possible. I tried my best to enjoy the gorgeous, beautiful day, but I just could not shake my feelings of unease and all the while, walking tried to stay diligent of the man's location. After hiking for about five minutes, I began to feel my sense of unease increasing. I turned back to notice the same figure again, following us in the distance, gaining on us slowly but steadily. He had taken the same intersecting trail as Lacey and I had, and was following behind us again. He did not appear to be enjoying the walk. He was not looking at the nature around him, just Lacey and me. He continued to stalk us at a quick pace, with a sense of purpose to his stride, his face emotionless, his eyes never leaving us for a second. As I glanced at him, it seemed waves of malice were emanating from him, and I was more scared than ever. By this time, Lacey was beginning to feel my anxiety. She was a beautiful dog and looked like Lassie. She was a good 65 pounds and unlike most collies, did not care for strangers or anything else out of the ordinary. She was also beginning to pick up on my emotions and started to perceive this stranger as a threat. She began stopping and turning, looking back at him. I knew all these trails like the back of my hand like I stated earlier and was quite sure we could lose him. I crossed onto another trail, and I thought surely we had gotten far enough ahead of him that he would be unable to determine which trail we had walked, glancing nervously behind me, but to my horror, when I looked up the trail ahead, I saw him walking straight towards us at a determined pace. He had somehow found the trail that circles around us and had then crossed over to cut us off. This could be no accident. It was obvious that he was intentionally following us, but why? My brain went into overdrive. All my senses were telling me that I was not in a good situation. I wondered what I could do. I had an awfully bad feeling about this man and had to find an escape route ASAP and get back to the safety of my car. I hastily looked around for another trail that I could take before he would reach us. There was nothing. I quickly thought it through and determined that my only options were to turn around and run back in the opposite direction and dash into heavily forested woods or walk right past him. I looked at him, judged the distance, and I knew if I ran even with his street shoes on, he could possibly catch me on the trail. I had no desire to run off into the woods as the grounds are heavily covered with tripping hazards and I have watched enough horror movies to know that running victim always trips and falls in a panic. I contemplated all of those options and you are probably going to think I'm crazy but I decided the best course of action was to keep walking straight ahead and past him. I was not alone. I had Lacey, and she gave me the courage to confront the alarming, disconcerting stranger. As we walked closer to him, he said nothing but kept staring at us intensely with his blank, emotionless expression. His eyes were very dark and menacing. I walked nervously towards him, and as we got closer to him, I began talking to Lacey under my breath, urging her on with a desperate voice. Get him. Get him. I know. Lacey felt my fear. She felt it to her very core and fed from it. She began growling low in her throat. The closer he got to us, the louder and deeper the rumbling from within her became. By the time we passed, I was physically holding her off from him. She was lunging at him, snarling and baring her teeth. He did not react like someone being threatened aggressively by a dog. There was no indignation, no irritation. Strangely, he said nothing to me and I said nothing to him. He passed by us and gave Lacey a wide berth, no longer looking at us or showing any interest at all. I lightly said, that's not nice, Lacey. All the while, though, I was petting her and encouraging her to growl at him. She continued to give him the Clint Eastwood stare, 
and kept growling until he was very well past us. I kept an eye on him, making sure he did not head back our way. I was eventually relieved to see that he made his way to the trail which leads to the parking lot, got in his car and drove away. I continued my hike, heading to a different side of the park. I kept thinking about the man and wondering exactly what he had been up to. To this day, I think Lacey saved me from an unbelievably bad situation. And when we returned home that day, I made sure she got an extra special treat. I live in Nevada, close to some beautiful and occasionally sketchy trails. The area is mostly owned by the Bureau of Land Management, which makes it public land, so people can pretty much do whatever the heck they want up here. You might come across abandoned cars and electronics with dozens of shotgun holes, or a bobcat and mountain lion den. Being an evolutionary, biology PhD student, I am obviously far more interested in the latter, and there is this one spot in a canyon where some predators like to frequent. I virtually always find cool bones there, and this one Friday afternoon was no exception. I had just had a seriously rough week. I barely slept or showered and decided to go for a hike to take off some stress and maybe find some cat prints or bones to add to my morbid naturalist collection. Sure enough, I came across a large, extremely well-preserved spine and attached pelvis. It appeared to be from a medium-sized quadruped, possibly a coyote or a small deer. Naturally, I picked it up with the intention of carrying it back to my house and asking my mammologist roommate for an ID. Perfectly normal stuff, you see. What I failed to consider is that the trail to get back to my house cuts through a park. A children's park, complete with a super fancy playground. The kind I would have drooled over as a kid. So there I am, walking through this park with my mysterious spine proudly slung over my shoulder. When I make eye contact with two mothers sitting on a bench as their kids play on the structure, they look thoroughly disturbed and I am stuck by the realization of how terrifying I must look. A bedraggled 20-something-year-old emerged from a canyon, making my way toward a group of toddlers whilst wielding a large, vertible column of unknown origins. If humans had hackles, these mothers' hackles would have been raised. One of them got up to walk closer to her children, so I felt the need to say something reassuring. I blurted out the first thing that popped into my head, which was, Don't worry, this isn't a human spine. Immediately after these words left my mouth, I realized that this was probably exactly what someone carrying a human spine would say. I'm an idiot sometimes. Accordingly, the mothers did not look reassured in the slightest, and some of the children were starting to notice me as well. At this point, I panicked and tried to mentally work out how to backpedal. Do I tell them about how I know it isn't a human because human pelvises look different? Then they will wonder why I'm so familiar with human pelvises. Which is because I taught anatomy and physiology, and because I'm an evolutionary biologist, so I know about the pelvic modifications that enabled humans to be bipedal. But, of course, they probably won't understand or listen to any of this because they just want the creepy spine lady to get away from their children. In the end, I said nothing else and just kept walking. The mother's eyes did not leave me one time. I even chanced a backward glance when I was at the opposite end of the park, and they were still staring at me. One of them appeared to be talking on her phone. This might not be a horror story per se, but I feel like I caused a horror story for that family. This happened almost two years ago. I had decided to go hiking with my son, who was eight months old at the time, and my dog Henry, who was an Irish wolfhound, Rottweiler mix. My husband was going fishing with a mutual friend at a state park nearby. I decided to go hike one of the more remote trails in a different part of the park and meet them later. 
I drove to a wooded trail about 10 minutes from where my husband was fishing. It was an early spring day, still chilly but tolerable with the sun shining. I parked the car and got my son ready. He was smiling and laughing. I would wear him in a forward-facing hiking sling in the front of me at the time. Henry was sniffing around and whining excitedly, as if to say, let's go. We started off on the hike and it was a beautiful, peaceful trail. Towering trees mixed with pine. A crystal clear creek wove its way through the trail at points. We periodically stop and play, all three of us. About an hour and a half into the hike, we had gone for two and a half or three miles and rounded a narrow bend in the trail when we nearly collided with a gentleman in his late 40s or early 50s. Henry was snarling and lunging at the man. Before I can even completely register what was going on, I quickly backed up and pulled Henry back as best as I could. My bumps were goosed at this point. Henry would not calm down. This was very unusual behavior for him. This was definitely not normal unless he was trying to protect us. Trying to talk over Henry, I loudly said, I'm sorry, he's just very protective of my son. If you move off the side, we can pass you. My son was incredibly quiet during this entire exchange, which I also found a bit odd. The guy was staring very intently at my son. He then laughed slightly and said, Oh, he should be. It's a good thing he's with you. Then he motioned to something around his neck and said, I'm just out here taking some pictures. It's a hobby of mine. Except he was not wearing any kind of camera around his neck or anywhere else that I could see. He had a canteen around his neck. I politely asked him again to step aside so that we could pass. At this point, Henry was sitting down but growling still. Henry would not take his eyes off this guy. I have no doubt that Henry would have eviscerated this man if he had tried anything. I am positive the guy felt that as well. The guy looked at Henry for a few seconds and at my son again. He then takes a few steps off trail so that there was room for us to get by, so that Henry could not reach him when we went. As I warily walked by him, he was like 10 feet to my left at this point, he muttered something about how he used to be able to see his kids. I kept looking back as he walked away to make sure he was not turning around to walk our way. He did continue to stare after for a few minutes or so, but I could no longer see him after a minute. We kept hiking and eventually came to an opening point where cars should park. There was no one there and luckily, I still had cell phone reception. I called my husband and he and his friend came to pick us up right away and they took us back to my car. There was no sign of the guy we encountered. We went home after that. Henry has passed away since and I'm very sad that my son does not get to grow up with him. He was really the best dog ever. I know everyone says that about their own dog, but he really was. He squared up with mountain lions and bears with no fear ever. Hiking alone always used to be a great way for me to clear my head, have some alone time, and to get a workout in as well. After what happened this morning, I doubt I will ever hike alone again. It was around 6am, and I was surprised that it was light, so I decided to go earlier than I had originally planned. I have hiked this trail many times because it was so close to the area I live in, the Colorado Rocky Mountains for anyone who wants to identify this region. Both alone, and with group of people, I've been up and down this mountain many, many times. I have never had an experience in this canyon, though I have heard that it is haunted, as many Native Americans are rumored to be buried all along the canyon, which is peppered with many hiking trails and beautiful drives. I set off my hiking trail, and nothing was out of the ordinary. There were only two people I encountered while out there, a woman who was running down the trail and a man birdwatching. I got past the main flat part of the trail, where there was a big clearing and I could see about 100 feet in every direction, and into the more heavily wooded areas with a steep hill to my left and the creek to my right. Around this time is when I started hearing someone shouting. 
It sounded very far off, and I couldn't distinguish any words. I figured maybe someone was calling for their dog or someone else. It came and went intermittently, as if it was on the wind, but I happened to notice that the voice was saying the same thing over and over again. In a strange intonation that sounded almost like a sing-song, I was not afraid at this time. With it being light out and having seen another person on the trail, I just stopped and took a couple of pictures right off the main trail. The light was gorgeous and hitting the water and greenery beautifully, and then began walking again. Not more than five minutes or so later is when I heard it. The same voice I had heard earlier, except it sounded as if it were directly above me on this slope. I instantly felt a chill and began looking around for the source of the noise, but I couldn't see anyone or anything. I was close enough that even through the summer foliage, I should have been able to see this person. If it was a person, that is. I still could not make out that voice or what it was saying clearly, but it was a two-syllable word. At this point, I wondered if it was a psycho looking for a young female hiker to murder or something, as that's often something I worry about when I hike alone. I bolted back down the way I came, practically running down the trail. I heard a crash behind me as if something landed on the tree branches and cracked them. I've spent most of my life in and around the forest. I know all the animals here. I know what deer and smaller creatures sound like. And this sounded much bigger and much clumsier, like what people sound like when they go through the undergrowth again. I was still thinking that I was going to have an untimely demise on my morning hike from some serial killer, and I picked up my pace, hoping to outrun whoever or whatever now seemed to be chasing me. Luckily, I didn't see anyone chasing after me, and the voice seemed to stay in the same location. It may have just been the panic of the situation, but I could have swore that the voice changed its unintelligible word to my name as I ran away from it. It was odd, as if it were just like a scratchy radio replaying itself. It was at this moment that I realized that I might not be dealing with a psycho after all, but something more paranormal, because no one out there should have known my name. After I reached the main flat area of the trail, the voice disappeared completely. I made it to my car in 15 minutes. I hadn't gotten very far on my hike and drove up the road. The road runs parallel to the trail for almost a mile across the creek, and so I was hoping to see if I could see anyone from a slightly higher perspective. I didn't see anyone. Not a single living soul. I drove to a different location to finish my hike somewhere, a lot more populated, which in hindsight also wasn't a smart move because the trail is also rumored to be haunted. Nothing else strange happened, though I was still shaken up and trying to convince myself it was someone calling for their dog. Now I do have some theories, because as I said, the entire canyon is rumored to be haunted. It may have been a ghost of some sort, but because of the Native Americans that inhabited the area for a long time, I wondered if it may have been a wendigo. From my scant knowledge, I know they can imitate human voices, but I'm not sure if they would know my name. I'm more than a little freaked out. Especially because I hike here all the time and it's only a couple of miles from my house. Any help would be much appreciated. And thank you for sharing my story. I grew up in rural Oregon with around 70 acres of wooded private property as my personal playground. By the time I was 16 years old, I had spent countless hours exploring every square foot that I possibly could, and have never experienced anything more unpleasant than poison oak, and maybe falling into some blackberry briars. Oddly, there was one small portion of the property I had never explored. 
I cannot tell you why I had never gone to this little corner. I just never really did. It was like an unconscious choice just to never go there. There was even an old trail and road leading back to it. One afternoon, I got the itch to turn left and follow that trail. The day was bright and warm. Nothing was sketchy or weird. However, within about 50 feet of the trailhead, I had an overwhelming need to stop right in my tracks. It was like stepping on a giant sticky mouse trap. My feet simply wouldn't carry me any further. As I stood there, every single hair on my body stood up on end, and I felt absolutely sick to my stomach with dread. I spun in place, looking in every which direction for whatever danger my whole body was telling me was there. The spot where I stood was a bit in a clearing of trees. I had 20 feet or so of total visibility in all directions, and further in some. There was nothing. Not a bird, not a bug, not even a sound. I never felt such utter terror and the desire to go full knees to chest for the hills. I made my way back to the trailhead as fast as my body would backpedal, and the second my feet left the trail, it all faded. Hairs back down, stomach settled, and zero sense of unease. It was like stepping out of a room and closing the door. For many years now, I have wondered what kind of presence I encountered. Many naysayers tried to tell me it was probably just a cougar and that it was just my sixth sense picking up on it, but I'm not buying that. It just doesn't make any sense. Then, in talking to my parents one day, who used to wander that property when they were dating a few decades ago, I found out that they had come across the remnants of an old homestead there. It had deteriorated to the point where there was nothing left, but the outline of the foundation and some old medicine bottles were left. I had a light bulb moment. It seems that maybe one of the homesteaders was still there and I was definitely trespassing. I've had short-lived moments of temptation where I thought about going back there and seeing if I could replicate the experience. In all honesty though, whatever was out there was way too dark for me to ever want to encounter it again. It definitely seems best to be left alone. So the area that this happened in is deep in the Monongahela Forest in Virginia. I was doing some hiking there alone trying to explore the new area seeing what was out there. Everything was going pretty smooth in general except for one occurrence that had gotten me blown away completely. By the way, I'm a 37 year old male, I've been hiking in the forest and mountains many times and I've never had an issue. Anyway, so I'm walking in the forest. It's sometime around 4pm and I was completely alone. I had everything on me including a radio beacon, a compass, GPS on my phone and smartwatch, so as you can see, taking my precautions in case I get lost so that I can figure out my whereabouts and get back. I also had printed maps on me. While walking, I all of a sudden felt some sort of weird quietness if that makes any sense. It's like I was in a vacuum. No birds were chirping. Just absolute silence. And what's weird about it is that it was absolutely so quiet that I could hear my own breathing, like it was surround sound. I'm thinking, okay, this is quite odd, but I think that maybe there's just a predator in the vicinity, so I was trying to keep my eye out for that. I did carry something to protect myself with in case I ever got attacked or something. Anyways, I just keep walking, no predator in sight, but the quietness was just there. It's weird. I did not even see any birds anymore, just trees. I also noticed that the weather started getting worse, like it became oddly cloudy in a weird way. I don't know how to explain it, but long story short, the weather got pretty bad out of nowhere. So at this point, 
I kind of started feeling like, I guess, uneasiness. I decided to go back. All of a sudden, my GPS is out on both my phone and smartwatch, and my compass is spinning as if there was an absolute crazy magnetic force close by or something. That got me very concerned because it was pretty much my only means of getting out of there. I started walking back the way I came. None of my navigational tools are working. I'm kind of still going back, just kind of orientating myself by the way I came. All of a sudden, I see the clouds above. They look very odd. It's like most of the clouds are this weird gray color, but they're not like clouds at all. It's more like fog. Then, there was another cloud kind of surrounded by the gray clouds, which was a darker black. I've never seen such a cloud before. It was almost like the night sky. Then suddenly all hell broke loose. All this craziness began to happen. All of a sudden I hear something like music, like a town clock bell or something like that. You know, how it hits every 10 seconds or so. I don't know at the time. I just got scared, like super scared, and I just started running as fast as I could back from where I came from. I was running and running and then eventually I noticed that the weather got better out of nowhere. It was no longer cloudy and the clouds were in fact not visible anywhere. I looked at my compass and GPS and they were all working again. I was in fact running in the correct direction after what I had just been through. I just went back to the place where I parked and left. Later that day I looked up weather forecasts for the area and there wasn't supposed to be any clouds anywhere near that area. It was supposed to be a sunny day with only episodical sporadic clouds. I told my story to my buddies who are also hikers and they say it might have just been me having some sort of panic attack. I don't know, it's a weird kind of story. But I don't remember falling or having any sort of dream or anything like that that could have caused this. If anyone has any ideas, please comment them down below. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true hiking horror stories. Hiking is a passion of mine and something that I do very often. I do it once or twice a week if I get the chance to, trying to visit a new state or national park every time. I usually even film these things, which I will be making a new series on soon. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this video gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new video, as I upload them nearly every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please be sure to give this show a 5-star rating, as it truly helps me grow over there, and it's very appreciated. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are in the world, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you download your favorite podcast. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, whether it's a hiking experience or something else from the great outdoors, I'd love to share it on the show. Send in your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. I'd be keen to know down in the comments below what story was your favorite tonight. Honestly, it's really hard for me to pick sometimes because they all just are so enjoyable in their own way. 
but I'd probably have to say that first story had me going. There's just something about being stalked by some creeper in the woods and your dog protecting you that just gives me a good feeling, but a bad feeling at the same time. If you guys would like to support the swamp outside of hitting that like button, giving the show a 5 star rating on iTunes, and subscribing, maybe check out the merch store. I have everything from t-shirts, to face masks, to hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys rocking some cool swamp threads. Be sure to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those good places, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.